Would you pray with me uh, before we come to God's word? Let's pray together. Lord, please enable me to explain your word clearly, teach it faithfully, apply it helpfully. By your spirit, please encourage and change our hearts and actions in a way that my words can't, but your word can. We are weak and we sin and, Lord, we need you. I need you. So help us, Lord, to see Jesus, to trust him more, to follow him closely for our good, for the good of others, for your glory. Amen. Please keep your Bibles open at Matthew 21 that we'll be looking at, sorry, Matthew 12 that we'll be looking at this morning. Well, maybe you're watching the service online this morning on your couch and enjoying not having to get up and ready and out the door to come to church. Maybe it's nice being able to watch the service right now with your coffee or your brekkie and you're not having to push yourself to talk to other people. Or maybe you're watching alone and you grieve not being with others and talking to others. Maybe you're flat and discouraged and another week of online church doesn't help. Maybe you miss the chance to meet with your church family to sing God's praises together, to hear others sing, and you miss hearing God's word and encouraging one another in person. God gives us rest so we can be refreshed, but but also so we can do good. And lockdown makes that hard in many ways. But today, Jesus reminds us he is the Lord. He wants us to seek others' good and to put our hope in him. Sometimes it's especially important to remember that the original text of the Bible didn't come with chapter divisions. And there's actually no big division between chapter 11 and chapter 12. Jesus had just spoken about how we can come to him and find rest. Remember he said, learn from him and we will find rest for our souls. And that's the important background to chapter 12. Because remember that the Sabbath is the seventh day, our Saturday. And it comes from a Hebrew word meaning rest or ceasing from work. And that's because God made the world in six days and on the seventh day he ceased from creating. And God rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done and the Sabbath day of rest therefore comes from creation. And God's intention was that Adam and Eve would, and their descendants would rest from their work in the garden, in God's presence on that Sabbath rest. And then the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, God tells people to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. You're to labor six days and do all your work, but on the seventh day it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. Why? For the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. And then the Ten Commandments listed in Deuteronomy chapter 5, they also say that Sabbath is to be observed because God redeemed them, rescued them from slavery. He saved them to serve him. 
And so the Sabbath was a life-enhancing provision that remembered the rest that God had given to Israel in redeeming them from slavery. You see, the Sabbath was meant to be a, a taste of life in the garden. The question was, if the day is about rest, well, what should you do and, and not do? And in this dispute about what's acceptable to do on the Sabbath, Jesus declares that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, our first of three points today. Look at verse 1. On the Sabbath, Jesus' disciples are hungry and they pick and eat grain from the fields as they walk. These men were plucking. They weren't farmers doing illegal harvesting work on the Sabbath or cooking their food. You see, for Jews, the Sabbath was a day for eating Friday's leftovers. But the Pharisees see this plucking and they have a go at Jesus. Your disciples are doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. But Jesus' followers were not disobeying God's Old Testament law. But Jewish Old Testament, sorry, Jewish oral tradition, the Jewish oral tradition added many other rules on top of God's word. And the disciples disobeyed these man-made traditions that were still serious. It was said about the Sabbath that the scripture is scanty, but the rules are many. And as Jesus reveals, the Pharisees not only had too many rules, but they had the wrong idea about the Sabbath altogether. So Jesus brings them back to the scripture with two examples. First, he says, remember David. Remember when he and his men ate the bread of the presence, those 12 loaves, a food offering to the Lord, which only the priests were meant to eat, according to Leviticus 24. Jesus here is teaching from the lesser to the greater. If David in 1 Samuel 21 is not condemned for that, then know that someone greater than David has come. A new David, a greater king, is bringing something new. Don't condemn him either. Jesus is greater than David. And his mission of saving people all over the world, bringing them into God's presence and rest, his mission is greater. Jesus' second example is from Numbers 28, verse 9 and 10. And, and the priests effectively working on the Sabbath. For they'd offer lamb sacrifices, grain and drink offerings to God each Saturday. In a sense, they broke the Sabbath by working on it, but God permitted it. But they were not guilty. Because the, the bigger picture of the Sabbath law was about love for God and love for for others. But again, verse 6, something or, or someone greater than the temple is here. God is here, and God's presence in Jesus is greater. Jesus even brings his people into God's presence and rest and blessing in ways far greater than the temple ever could. Jesus' divinity qualifies him to act differently from their traditions. Verse 8, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Daniel chapter 7 promised that the Son of Man will have all authority. He has supreme authority over the Sabbath. 
In fact, he has dominion over creation, redemption, and the interpretation of the scriptures. He can declare God's rules for observing the Sabbath. He shows the true meaning of the Sabbath. And he will shortly show that it's about restored and full life. More than that, Jesus' death and resurrection brings us into to experience that full life, the presence of God forever. So you see, the Sabbath was given to enrich life, not ruin it. Not just for you, but but for others. Jesus shows us here that the real goal of the Sabbath law is love. Love for God and love for others. Today for showing mercy, compassion. Jesus says, Pharisees, if you'd understood God's word in Hosea 6 verse 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. If you'd understood that, you would not have condemned the innocent. As we heard in the kids' talk, this word mercy here is showing kindness to someone who needs help. We need God's kindness. We need Jesus to show us mercy, don't we? And when we've understood the heart and character of God, when we've accepted Jesus' mercy, well, we'll respond differently to the Pharisees. Because sacrifices, ritual observances, religious rule-keeping alone doesn't please God. What matters to God is love, compassion, kindness. When I think of kindness, I, when I was thinking about kindness, I thought of the movie Up. Kids, you may have seen it. And I thought of Russell, uh, the child, his enduring kindness over and over that he shows to grumpy old Mr. Fredrickson. Or recently I watched a movie called Our Friend. Based on a true story, Nicole receives a terminal cancer diagnosis. She and her husband Matt and their kids, they're overwhelmed, overwhelmed and struggling just to live. Her friend Dane sees their need and their mess and he comes to help he comes to stay for just two weeks but he stays much longer he really gives up his life to move in and care for this family Uh, he does the school runs and the cleaning and the cooking and the washing he displays patience and listening and care it was a moving example of kindness we can't all do that, but we can be kind. In a wonderful book I've just started reading, it's called Gentle and Lowly, uh, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. It's written by another Dane, Dane Ortland, and he has one quote in here about kindness. It's reflecting on Jesus being gentle and lowly or humble and us coming to him for rest. But he says, only as we drink down the kindness of the heart of Christ will we leave in our wake everywhere we go the aroma of heaven and die one day having startled the world with glimpses of a divine kindness too great to be boxed in by what we deserve. And kindness to someone in need, 
is what we see next in our passage. Point two, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and he says it's a day for doing good. Like him, do good. The Sabbath wasn't a day to be focused on rule keeping, but honouring God and that included doing good. This day for physical and spiritual rest, for honouring God and assembling with his people had been twisted by legalism. Jews, they would attend the synagogue each Sabbath to hear God's word and sing and pray. And Jesus has attended the service too, but he's being watched and he knows it. The Pharisees try to entrap him by asking if it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath while there's a disabled man standing right there next to them. Verse 10. Jesus highlights their hypocrisy. And he makes it personal by asking, who of you wouldn't get a sheep, your sheep, out of your pit if it was on the Sabbath? And a person is worth much more than a sheep. So verse 12, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's right to show compassion in a crisis and acts of mercy. And Jesus does that. He merely speaks and heals the man with the shriveled hand. The Pharisees were determined to do nothing to help the disabled man, but Jesus is determined to do good to be kind, even at cost to himself, because now they want to go out. They go out and they want to kill him, don't they? Jesus shows mercy and kindness on the Sabbath. What about us? Since New Testament times, the Christian church started meeting on Sundays, the Lord's Day, remembering Christ's resurrection from the dead and our salvation in him. And I know that for many Christians, uh, Sunday has been viewed of and spoken of as uh, the Christian Sabbath. Sunday is a special day. It's a good time to meet together. And being part of a society with a Christian background, Sunday was a day, used to be a day when we could rest from our work and gather with God's people. It grieves me that our society has turned away from the Lord and from his word grieves me that work has become an idol for many people and a lack of adequate rest time for workers is a great scourge. So while Christians don't celebrate the Sabbath or keep the fourth commandment in the same way the Jews in the Old Testament did, taking time to rest one day in seven is a, a very good principle built into creation by its maker, our maker. Christians ought to rest. God rested. But also because life is more than work and it shows that we trust our sovereign and good God's provision. Day of rest. It's for our good. It's a day for gathering with Christ's people, meeting with God in his word and doing good. I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts for how to spend your Sunday or day of rest. Because Paul in Romans chapter 14, verse 5 and 6, he says, whether you observe a day, a particular day is special, or whether you do some work or visit a shop on a Sunday, 
is a matter of conscience, personal conviction, I suggest. It ought not be something we divide over. Let's remember, though, that love and compassion was a priority for Jesus here on the Sabbath, and and that should be so for us. What Jesus makes crystal clear in Matthew 12 is the day of rest is a time for doing good. I wonder what that might look like for you. I suggest in lockdown, for us at the moment, however many weeks it is, it ought to include watching the live stream and engaging what, with what is said and taught for your encouragement, your growth in faith and Christ-likeness. In lockdown, doing good might also include spending extra time reading God's word, reflecting, praying. If you live with others, consider what good you can do to them or for them. Engaging with your family, doing something together. Kids, it could mean you you doing good could mean helping with the cooking or the cleaning. And Kids, even you can pray that God will help you love the members of your family with your words and your actions. Even if you live alone, you could make a meal, some biscuits for a neighbour, a struggling friend. Or you might have a desire to do good and be frustrated that lockdown is stopping that. Don't, Don't let lockdown squash your heart to love and to serve. We can still send a text message, give someone a call and ask how they're going. We can still go for a walk with someone. Or if you need to work as a nurse, a doctor, a firefighter or other essential worker on a Sunday, please know that that's an opportunity to do good as well. And we thank God for that and for you. When lockdown eases, whenever that is, the Lord knows, when lockdown eases, what will doing good mean? It will mean that we make an effort to come back to church in person because church and my life isn't just about me and my comfort but a day for seeking the good of others. We must not give up meeting together, Scripture says. And so we need to set aside time to meet together to rest from our work and worship and reflect and love and serve our families and church and others. All these things are so important. And so maybe God wants you to prioritize gathering with with your church over your kids' sport on a Sunday. Maybe you could pray about the anxiety you feel about returning to church in person and pray that you'll come when you can and speak to maybe just one person and ask how they're going for their good. Pray you'll come with a a willingness to serve in a ministry team or where there's needs. On a Sunday, it's a a good day to to be able to rest and be refreshed, but it's not an excuse. This day of rest is not about you just lazing on the couch all day and doing nothing but thinking about yourself, thinking, oh, it's all about me. Oh, it's not about me. Having said that, having said all this, if you're overwhelmed and burnt out and stressed by just coping with what's on your plate at the moment, I'm not wanting to 
load more on your plate and give you a guilt trip. Maybe for a season caring for yourself or your family is the good that God calls you to. And you can find, I pray you'll find rest in his word, God's good creation too. For most of us, when lockdown ends and by the grace of God, we'll even be able to visit others, have visitors to our place to share a meal. I so look forward to that. Kids, maybe you look forward to having a sleepover at your friend or your cousin's place. And the discouragement we endure now, I think it will make us all the more grateful for these things. Other good things to do on a day of rest could include having non-church friends or neighbours over for a meal or maybe even someone who could never repay the favour. Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, he wants us to be rich in doing good works. So what would it look like for you to show compassion to someone in need, mercy to a person who's struggling, How do you want to respond? But wherever we're at, we need grace. I feel my need for God's strength and the motivation to do this. Or if you're like me, you're probably feeling weary and flat at the moment. When we remember what Jesus has done and what he will do, it enables us to love when we remind ourselves and one another of the eternal rest Jesus has and will bring us, and when we rejoice in that, it it encourages us, our hearts, so we can do good. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the promised land in Palestine is described as a place of rest. And the Israelites, wandering through the wilderness, they miss out on that rest because of their unbelief. And disobedience. And that promised land rest was only a shadow of the heavenly, eternal, perfect rest to come in the new creation. Hebrews chapter 4 says to new covenant believers, even us, since the promise to enter this rest remains, let us beware that none of you have found to have be found to have fallen short. So there remains a rest for us to enter and experience, which we get by faith in Christ. There's a now and not yet aspect to this. We do find rest in Jesus, but it's not perfect and it's not full. Hebrews chapter 4 teaches us that the fourth commandment, Saturday rest, and the Israelites' promised land rest, they weren't the end goal, that they pointed to the ultimate rest, The ultimate rest in the Revelation chapter 22, last chapter of the Bible, rest in the garden in God's good presence. That's where we're heading. That's what we're waiting for. So a Sabbath rest remains for us, God's people. And and we enter it, the writer to the Hebrews says, as we rest from our own works not trying to enter God's heaven by our good works. We enter our heaven and an eternal rest by trusting in Jesus 
living his way, following him. That's the primary application of the the fourth commandment. You see, the Sabbath, more than being about rules to obey, it's about remembering Jesus, remembering the rest and justification by faith we have now and the rest that he will bring us into in heaven. We want to remember that each Lord's Day, each Sunday. We need to remember that when we're struggling, when we're struggling in lockdown. Jesus brings us to a better rest than your day off from work, a better rest than what you look forward to in that holiday whenever it can happen. He will bring us to a better rest than the Jews got in living in the land flowing with milk and honey. Jesus brings us to an eternal Sabbath rest. He will. So hold fast to him. Encourage your your children, your family, others to hold fast to him in faith. And this is what we're encouraged to do in our final point. I put your hope in him. Jesus withdraws from his enemies, verse 15, and crowds follow though, and we're told he heals them all. But he says not to make him known. It's not because he fears opposition and death, but it is to avoid premature opposition. More importantly, though, Matthew says it's to fulfill Scripture. From this lengthy quote in Isaiah 42, look at verse 19. Jesus, the promised and chosen servant, he's not come to argue and shout. He's not here to make a, a loud show of power or seek popularity. But we're told even more about Jesus and his identity. He is God's chosen servant. He's chosen by God. He's loved by God. The Father delights in him. He's pleased with him. He brings justice. He restores justice. That is, he treats people rightly by doing what is right now, like healing the sick and disabled, but but he will bring perfect justice when he comes again. And not just for Israel, but, but for the nations, verse 18. Even for us, perfect justice. Justice for all his followers who've suffered oppression and injustice. I think of the Christians living in Afghanistan and unable, unable to flee. I think of Christian gatherings in the moment in Heilongjiang province in China who are being dobbed into the authorities for money. Or Nigerian Christian students, children being kidnapped by jihadists. Or for all of those who've suffered wrong, the justice and true rest that Jesus brings, it's something that such people really long for. The servant Jesus is the one who will not break a bruised reed or put out a smouldering weak, verse 20. Maybe you feel weak, bruised at the moment. Or know that Jesus came not to break you, but to give you hope and life and rest. Maybe you feel your weakness. 
like the flame of your energy, your spiritual life, your, your hope. You feel like that's going out. Well, know that Jesus has not come to snuff out your life, but to give justice and hope and life. He is concerned for the helpless, cares for the downtrodden. And what was true of the man with the shriveled hand is true for you. If, if restoral, being restored and health and strength and hope, if they are things that you know you need, then believe it is something that Jesus can and he will give. Resilience now. Rest in heaven. It will come. Notice the last phrase, the last verse, 21. The nations will put their hope in him. We're part of the nations, aren't we? Who put our hope in Jesus' name. And to put our hope in Jesus the servant is to put our confidence in him. God wants us all to put our hope and our confidence in him. And we can have a sure and confident expectation of eternal salvation, of entering the promised rest as we trust in Jesus. So put your hope and your trust in him. Keep on putting your hope and your confidence in Jesus, the servant who cares for you. He died for you. He rose for you. And he will one day raise you to be with him in his rest, in glory. As I reflected this week on the challenges of lockdown, challenges it's brought to many of us, many of you, I, I thought of a Christian friend from my last church, a Leanne, and I close with this. Shortly after the birth of one of her children, Leanne contracted a very serious chemical sensitivity. Anyone's perfume, deodorant, shampoo, washing detergents or cleaning products affected her badly, with migraines, reactions and more. And I thought that we've been in lockdown for two weeks, even two months. Leanne was in virtual lockdown in her home for like 20 years. I remember her coming to church when she could with a gas mask. Having visitors was hard. Going to the shops or other people's homes was impossible. But I know that her trust and hope and confidence in Christ, it sustained her. Her hope carried her. Leanne, by the grace of God, has been healed for many years now. She's done much good to the glory of Christ. But even in her sickness and her lockdown, I remember her having a ministry of prayer, sending cards, messaging people, calling people, making meals, meals for others. She was an inspiring example to me of someone who had real hope in Christ, someone whose faith and hope and love led her to do many good works. The Lord Jesus brings us to our true Sabbath rest. 
So put your hope in him for your sake and for the strength to do good to others. Let's pray. Uh, Living Lord Jesus, we praise you. A servant who came to serve the Father, even served us, Lord, by dying for us and rising again to open the door to our eternal rest in the garden in glory to come. Praise you, Jesus, for the life that we have in you, that you are our hope, and that when we put our trust in you, we can have great confidence. You'll do what you say. So, Lord, for all who are struggling this day, we pray for this help of your spirit to help them endure and persevere in hope and in faith. Strengthen us, Lord, to not just seek our own good, protect ourselves, look out for ourselves, but, Lord, we may, may we have the strength of your spirit to seek the good of others. And Lord, we pray that you might enable the lockdown to end soon, us to be able to gather in person to encourage one another in greater ways than we can now. Please speed that day, Lord, and give us great enduring patience while we wait and the commitment to do good for the glory of Jesus. Amen.